Hello, teacups. Hello, Sally. Hello, teacups. Hello, Gabby. So we're going to dive right in because this is a second part of a two-part. Yep. And we're... (laughs) For crying out loud. So let's do a quick previously. Wait, can I say previously on teacup demagogues? (gasps) Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to say it again. Okay. Previously on Teacup Demagogues, we were talking about the changes that Spotify recently unleashed on an unsuspecting public. Let me let me recap what those changes are. So Spotify changed three things in 2024. Mm -hmm. One, it is now required that before paying out royalties, a track has to be streamed a thousand times in a Mm -hmm. year. Before any track was eligible for royalties, so long as it was played for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Number two, any track that is quote unquote non music noise will only have royalties pay after two minutes of being played. Mm-hmm. Yep. Again, previously, 30 seconds was fine, and then royalties would pay for absolutely anything. And number three, both distributors and labels will be financially penalized for any streaming fraud that is detected. So, yeah, just, just to generate money mm-hmm. and dilute everything. And so what did we talk about last time with regard to those changes? Basically, the initial assumption that a ton of people, mostly indie musicians and me, the the casual listener, um, made about how this is kind of bullshit. And really, we're talking primarily about that new limit place, the 1000 play thing, like the rest of the stuff is we're kind of okay with. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you, Sally, gave me the rundown on how that actually affects indie musicians and how maybe it's not all that bad. But instead of really recapping in super detail about all that, I'm going to say it was a good episode (laughs) and you should come back and listen to it. It was our best episode yet. It was our best, (laughs) literally our best episode yet. Cracked every possible record. Like, I can't believe you missed it, frankly. Yeah, we're going to get a Pulitzer Prize for that and for this one. For this one too. Like, But this time... It'll be even better. Mm -hmm. Given all these changes to Spotify, Mm -hmm. what changes can other people make in reaction to it? First, the indie artist. Second, the indie distributor. Third, Spotify (laughs) has already made changes, but maybe there's some other shit they can do. Yeah, there definitely could be. Let's investigate. (laughs) Let's do more exposés. Yeah. And fourth, you the listener. You the teacup. You the teacup. What can you the teacup do? The sweet little teacup. (laughs) We love you. We love you. Shall we dive in? Yes, please. Let's dive in. All right. So, Sally, last time you already started kind of talking about what indie artists should do with these changes. (laughs) And what you said was they should work harder. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Do you care to expand on that? I'm making myself the villain. You know, that's sort of just like kind of what I do just because I want people to understand that there's a ecosystem and they're all interdependent. And like, I'm not saying that they're not flawed because obviously like they are flawed, but the artist does have a role to stay present in the ecosystem. That's all. Okay. All right. Don't fucking castrate me. They're going to come at you with pitchforks, (laughs) but maybe like defend yourself a little better here with action. (laughs) actionable steps like one thing you talked about last time that I thought was really interesting is that there needs to be context yeah like it's not enough to just write a good song there has to be context like we've changed the game we like everyone humanity (laughs) like it's just 
not enough anymore for just the music to be good. And maybe that's shitty, right? Like, I don't, and that's I'm a different sure. discussion. <laughs> I mean, this isn't going to like necessarily answer that question, but sure. like, let me just pose to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's better to be told what to like versus finding what you like yourself? Well, that's an interesting question. Like, so again, on the face of it, my initial reaction to stuff like that is you can't, you don't tell me what to do, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to be told what to like. But sure. I mean, my like lawyer answer to that is it depends because I mean, yeah. it does. I think it does depend. But the reason that I'm asking that is because it isn't just people in our generation. This is sort of just a, a mental block that like everybody hasn't caught up with yet. Right. Is that even even if you were watching 120 minutes and you're getting all of the scoop on all of the yep. like hottest indie bands, like that's somebody curating that for you and telling you like what is good and what and is what's like cool. worth <laughs> and what's cool and what's worth giving your attention to right and like if you listen like back in the day like if you listen to the radio obviously like the radio you don't get to be like play me whatever i want you know that's radio's the dictating to you like what is good that, or like what's what's worth your time i mean that's exactly it and that's kind of what i wanted to get at which is like if yeah. anyone thinks that the algorithm is some, i mean yes it's new compared to mm-hmm. our youth right but if yeah. anyone thinks that that thinks that before they were deciding what to listen to and now because the algorithm it's being decided for them like that is an illusion it's an illusion yeah and that, that's the, <laughs> that's the point that i'm that i'm kind right. of getting at because i all of, this is the kind of stuff that just like ties my mind in knots and it mm-hmm. just like is super frustrating because the idea of context is like really lost on people because mm-hmm. in in people's minds they're just thinking like if i make a great pop song like that's enough it's going to be quote unquote on the radio like the the radio and the mtv that is in like the imaginary sure. one. it's like in people's <laughs> brains you know right they're like all i have to do is like make this thing that like is under three and a half minutes and mm-hmm. like that is not the fucking world that we're living in anymore right. for better or worse for better or worse you mm-hmm. know and it is not a question of quality right. it's a question of context now like how is the music fitting into people's lives when we don't have those frameworks telling us what to like anymore right. and like where to find things because it's not just about like how do you discover something it's like how do these things just flow naturally into your life as a music listener right now right and that's something that like artists are just for whatever reason like not grasping yeah um i also think that artists should really like try harder to unplug themselves from like the convenience and like deadly chokehold of (laughs) analytics and data and stuff right and just like really think about what it means to have their work in people's lives (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that's like way more normal than trying to imagine what that story looks like by looking at numbers you know what i'm saying sure sure people get like really really obsessed about like their popularity score on spotify and like trying to get into the algorithm that is that is one very 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 small piece of things and frankly if you haven't made the context and made the music make sense to people and make them understand that it's for them. People think that the algorithm is like essentially God. It's like just like picking, picking the quote unquote best songs like out of nowhere. And that's not <laughs> the context is already sort of like created ahead of time a lot of the time. And this is also like well, a few things. One, this sounds like just marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also sounding like the same kind of stuff I hear as someone who is a creator on TikTok mm-hmm. and also to a much, much smaller extent on like Instagram when yeah. people 
always say like, oh, the algorithm's out to get me. Like <laughs> I, I made all this stuff and it's good and no one's yeah. uh, seeing it and I don't get any likes and blah, blah, blah. And it's like kind of the same thing, but maybe with more uh, to lose. But ultimately what it is, is like if your stuff isn't good enough and you're not selling it the right way, that's that's the reason. Like the algorithm isn't random, yeah, it's, it's, unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. I really try to refrain from having these like really concrete discussions about quality and sure. like what is good enough and what's not good enough because I don't want to be that person who's saying like your music is not good enough right. you know it's right. like it's not my job to like delineate what good music is because like the thing that is so like ineffable and like powerful about music is that no one ever knows like what the perfect song is mm-hmm. is going to be you know and what it's going to sound like but I do think that we should be honest with the reality that a lot of the independent artists that are pushing their work out onto these streaming platforms Mm -hmm. are just not very serious and you know I do really believe that less serious and less original folks really Mm -hmm. should just like have another place to be because like I just don't know how much value all of this actually has to the listener and that's in this day and age like that's kind of like what I think about the most sure sure essentially the way that I try to just think about algorithms is that the algorithm is people exactly it's not God it's not a we are all the algorithm we are all the algorithm (laughs) our habits our behavior Yes, our habits, our behavior, like we are, we are God. essentially right it isn't a thing that's like out to punish you like indiscriminately right, right, right. it is literally people yeah, and crazy. If, if people are connecting obviously that's going to affect the algorithm if people are not because they don't have any reason to then but mm-hmm. one thing i will say because i know this is a common complaint among all artists but i think especially indie artists is well shit like these days mm-hmm. it's not just that we have to make music we also have to be our own marketing team. yes right totally and that is that is shitty Right? Like, it is. No, it's, it's completely shitty. It is totally shitty. I, so, yeah, for as much as I'm saying, like, you need to work. Mm-hmm. That is, and actually, it is. It is really shitty for artists to have to do their own marketing. Yes, like yes. within the scope of things that artists are expected to do to set themselves apart now, completely on their own without any sort of like label right. or marketing support. Right. I do think that that is a very unrealistic expectation for up and comers. Right, right, right. You know what I mean. So actually, help me here then, because when you say put your music in context, mm-hmm. right? For me, what I think, what I assume you're saying what I'm interpreting that as as is market yourself yeah so how is it different so creating context is a form of marketing you know Mm -hmm. like it is marketing and that is such a it's a term that like artists are so allergic to and I completely understand why but yeah context is not the same kind of like self-promoting like super extroverted like type of bullshit (laughs) that we have been conditioned to like see and think of as like more rewardable and like social media and stuff and like I wouldn't suggest that anybody like try to emulate those models because I know that that doesn't come naturally to a lot of like serious artists you know there are some people who are really good at like playing the numbers and having that look like it's something but like at the end of the day does that person have the actual songwriting capability to have staying power and to have a relevant Mm -hmm. music career I really don't fucking think so you know what I'm saying (laughs) so before I go off on like a a super wild tangent here what I mean when I say context is that artists have to be willing to create a microcosm for listeners to either see themselves in or want to be 
in. Right. Ideally, that's something that isn't like painful to the artist to create for people mm-hmm. and to share with them and to like welcome them into. And like, excuse me, when I say context, I'm mostly talking about bringing everything full circle so that people have something to kind of like walk into and feel comfortable right. rather than being like you know feeling like they're they're walking into something and they're not really sure if they're supposed to be right, there right, right. you know what I mean yeah that's that's kind of well and there are so many like if you think about the kind of people who mm-hmm. are marketing themselves well and I know people are going to get annoyed when I say this I'm just going <laughs> to talk about it anyway okay sometimes the stuff that they do to promote themselves doesn't even have to do with music. No, but it is getting eyes on their stuff. Like there is a band that I finally followed after seeing them on my For You page a bunch. Like they're super relatable dudes Mm -hmm. who made super funny videos. Mm -hmm. And it took me forever to realize that they were a band. Like they weren't outwardly advertising that they are a band (laughs) because I engaged with them. Like I was like, oh, this is really funny. I was like, oh, they're a band, but I like them. They're so funny. I'm going to go ahead and see, like, I'm going to go to their page and I'm going to actually look for a video where they play their music. And I liked it. And I looked them up on Spotify. Yeah. You know, so it worked because I figured out that at least their personalities are for me. Sure. Right. That was a crapshoot. That was a lot of steps on my part and on their part. Right. Yeah. But they have a lot of followers. They're not super viral or anything. I don't remember. But it's enough. It's, it's enough, enough to get people to their shows. Yep. It's it's enough. Yeah. And having a sense of humor and not taking yourself seriously makes Completely. a big difference. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, I think a lot of artists like do have um, a community and they do have people in their lives that can also like use their gifts to help create that world and participate in that world without like feeling like that person is like their employee or whatever. Right. It's really it's really not that it seems esoteric and there are parts of it that are, but it, it is also like very, very simple. Yeah, right, right, right. And like, yes, it requires a lot of empathy for the listener. It requires a ton of empathy. Yeah. That's not something that is taught. Right. (laughs) Just taking that like ego and just like being a little bit more generous and like saying, you know what? I do give a fuck about the people who are potentially paying my bills and I want to give them something and I want to make sure that they know that I didn't just do this for me and really treat that process with a lot more empathy than anyone has ever told you to. Right. And that's what creates context. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I understand that that is not easy for a lot of people for lots of different reasons. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to conceptualize. Right, right, right. What we have right now is we have a fuck ton of people who are still in the phase where they really just need people to tell them that they're good. Right. And, you know, it's like if that's where you are, then like that is completely understandable and completely fine but also like you are not ready for the next phase and that's also okay that's okay and it's very very much okay there's just so many people doing this stuff yeah there's so many people doing it and like you see people who have like reached that next level and it's such a like mental thing Mm -hmm. and I know I sound like a complete podcast where we're like (laughs) it's a fucking mental thing but like it is if you're a if you're a new artist and you're seeing people who are like at that next level where they understand themselves enough that they can then go on to building context You know, you might convince yourself that like you're not moving fast enough and that you need to move faster. Right. There's so much pressure, I think, just because uh, we're so aware of like the sheer volume of content that's being churned out on a literally like a daily basis. There's so much pressure for things to be like super duper duper expedited. And I do think that it is okay for artists to take their time to establish trust and establish a relationship with their audiences and that things don't have to just like take off right away. Although I feel like um, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves to 
accomplish that. And labels too, I think, put a lot of pressure on artists to like blow up super fast. Because all of this is fucking work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that being said, you know, this this is also really important. I do also believe that artists who are making recordings that they intend for people to hear, like you should be registering your work with performing rights organizations. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And there's nothing wrong objectively with having your music on DSPs Mm -hmm. at all. But the thing to also think about is it's more of a means of insurance than assurance. Yeah. You know, this is just something that you're doing to protect yourself and make sure that like you're just doing your due diligence. It's not to do to position yourself for any sort of guarantee, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So get your shit registered. Yeah. You should, you should definitely do that. I would even go so far as to say that they should put their stuff on streaming platforms because what we talked about last time, because the algorithm might put your shit on somebody's randomly generated playlist and you never fucking know. You never know. You just can't expect that to happen. That's all. You can't expect it. But if you are working, it doesn't matter how quickly you get there. Like there's a much larger chance that like whatever you have already had, that like it will get traction. Right. You know, in some way, in some way. So there's no reason to say like, fuck Spotify. I'm going to take all my stuff off of here. (laughs) Yes. You know, and and people and frankly, like people really should move money making focus away from streaming royalties, like period. Right. I know that I said some like really kind of controversial things about this before, but it's like if your fan base is still small or growing, this just really isn't something that you really need to be concerning yourself with is royalty income. Mm. You should just be happy to have the potential exposure of having your music on these streaming platforms. And you should you should really focus your energy on the things that are going to be a lot more actionable, as you said, you know, right. I feel like we've created a situation where people have gotten it into their head that they're entitled to a lot more and that they're offering a lot more than they actually are. Right. right. And it just it bothers me. It bothers me because because it is very cynical. Right. Um, you mentioned distributors. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about them. Oh, my God. First, can you help an idiot out and explain to me? I mean, I think I've gleaned this from our discussions, but I I still need a little bit of assistance. Can you help me Mm. understand the difference between a distributor and a record label? Yes. I'm going to try to do this like as easily, as simply as possible, because there are little granular details that I'm going to leave out. So essentially, an independent distributor is a company like DistroKid or TuneCore where an an unsigned artist can give that distributor the license to their copyright. And then that distributor shuttles their music out to like all of the streaming platforms. And, you know, they have a certain degree of autonomy, meaning that they can upload anything to the distro whenever they feel like it. And I'm going to get into other aspects of indie distributors in a, in a second. So okay. so there's that. A label, on the other hand, is, uh, should be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, theoretically. Theoretically is, and in some cases is, an entity where it works very similarly, but what they tend to want that uh, a distro isn't going to ask for is they want to own the rights to your masters. Okay. So basically like They want to have complete control over what happens to your music, Mm -hmm. how it's used, where it's used, how much it's negotiated for. Mm -hmm. They are like a vehicle for exposure and they're also a vehicle for distribution. You, 
when you needed to have like cassettes or records or CDs made, right. that made absolute sense to try to look for a label because a label can handle the volume that you might want to like get all of your physical media out into the world versus okay. like trying to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impossible, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These days, you get a certain degree of exposure. Right. And depending on what label you're on, which this does not apply to very small indie labels, they serve as like an intermediary for the DSPs where they're able to actually negotiate a different price per stream, essentially. Right, right, right. I'll just say like three tenths of a cent or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is like the amount that is left over. Okay. Okay. So to just like keep using the pie analogy, you know, so the Taylor Swifts and the uh, Bad Bunnies and the mm-hmm. whatever the fuck his name is, is uh, what what is Ed Sheeran's, <laughs> they put the most <laughs> ingredients into the pie. So then when the pie is ready, they all get to take like every slice of the pie. And then the rest of us, <laughs> the rest of us get to share amongst each other, like whatever is left in the pan. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's like another level and another layer of how labels are situated in this scheme of things i you know like i said i'm not really here to say whether or not that's good or bad i know that it isn't good for everybody but it just is the model and it is what it is you know what i mean okay okay i think i get it um all right so tell me the changes that now that we talked about the artists and what they should be doing how should distributors adapt to the changes that spotify has made yeah so it's been really interesting to me to look at the conversation and and how much the indie distributors are kind of seen as like the good guy right you know don't push around the good guy the little guy mm-hmm. in this day and age like indie is such a like greenwashing term oh that's such a good point <laughs> these yeah. are people yeah, who yeah, yeah. are like propagandizing everybody just like everybody else by being like, I'm just a little guy. Don't pick on me. You wouldn't Mm -hmm. hit a guy with glasses, would you? You know, like it's like that kind of like. I can and I will. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the thing is, independent distributors (laughs) are actually a major reason why Spotify has had to amend its policies. Mm -hmm. And this is like a piece of the puzzle that people are just not seeing because they're so focused on whether the big guy is playing fair. But like, if we're so comfortable with saying that like royalty fraud is categorically bad, Mm -hmm. these distros do need to be held accountable. Like they shouldn't broker or benefit from fraud period and like personally like i'm not sure that they aren't actually kind of like trojan horsing like the majority of the obstacles that are like weakening the value of the artist in this streaming economy so like i i do want to go like a little bit further with this please you know i know that i've already pissed a bunch of people off but just like hear me (laughs) out for a second all right okay the volume and the rate at which these distros pump artists into the royalty pool like might constitute fraud in itself from my standpoint and like from what I can see, you know, because like, look at it this way. There are conflicting figures, right? But these distros are releasing something in the range of 25 to 60,000 songs per day to these streaming platforms. And we're just going to use Spotify like as the baseline example. 
And so for my point, any way you slice it, that's still a lot. Yeah. From that, it's like we have a massive contingent of like super inexperienced, very unserious artists releasing, like, as you said, like roughly two thirds of those songs onto DSPs like every single day, day. every single fucking day. Yeah. The yeah. average payout per like a thousand streams is less than 250. It's like 230 something maybe. <sighs> And let's just say that like an artist using one of these distributors has to accrue a minimum balance of $10 to be able to withdraw their royalty earnings anyway. So if we have a massive, already massive and continually growing number of artists and their catalogs that don't meet the minimum balance to withdraw the royalties that they've earned, right. it's like I think it follows that like these distros are collecting a staggering amount of like micro royalty payments every single quarter and like yep. I'm I'm not doing the math like I don't have to do the math so like this is just logic sure, sure sure let's just say that because of the regulations of the banks where these like royalties are held mm -hmm. the distros are just hamstrung <laughs> by like having to hold on to all of this money every quarter without ever having to compensate anybody who has earned it you yeah. know like is that Spotify's fault how, how is that Spotify's fault? I mean, you know what I mean? They're also collecting like a decent chunk in, in membership fees, although they a lot of them do offer a free tier. It's like this is a subscriptions for the musician. Yeah, for the musician to yeah, like yeah. Okay. for distribution. Yeah. So most artists, quite frankly, are just like more than happy to just be able to have their music on streaming platforms sure, sure, sure. for free. For free or cheap. Right. The fact that they have like effectively license their music to a distro that collects royalties on their behalf is like a complete afterthought right like a lot of people don't even check their balances like mm -hmm. they don't know they don't know any of this stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. so like to everyone who was very likely to get mad at me <laughs> about <laughs> about what i'm saying like just think about that for a second and just like let that sink in because mm -hmm. i don't believe that these distributors are like completely on the up and up yeah, i'm course. not going to like outwardly accuse them all of being like mega hucksters or whatever <laughs> but like if you're an artist and you're like calling this theft, just make sure that when you're <laughs> when you're making that argument that you're holding the right people like culpable is all I'm trying to say. Sure, sure, sure. But Sally, so what you're suggesting actually is that these distributors do exactly what Spotify just did. Listen, okay. so when Spotify takes away like this particular slice of royalties from distributors, mm -hmm. the distributors themselves are going to have to just like operate more legitimately, Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Spotify is helping to get that on yeah. control and like the rest of it is probably not going to affect them that much like sure. if you think about it this way it's one of those things where it's like even if you're inclined to get mad about the fact that year over year if you don't make a thousand streams you don't get paid just think about like what that looks like in just the sheer mass of royalty payments that distributors are not paying artists yeah. every year yeah. if they are making less than well yeah you have to come up to a certain amount of money like whatever I don't know but there, yeah, there like, are other platforms that do this like 50 bucks or whatever yeah you have to it make pays a certain, out. we're just going to use ten dollars as an example sure. it varies but like we'll just say ten dollars cut you like, a check for five cents <laughs> how many artists do they have signed up for their services that do not even like clear ten dollars a year right and they're right. never going to see that money and like where does that money hang out mm-hmm you know what i'm saying so like we'll just use tune core as an example it's just sitting in tune core's bank generating interest i guess probably generating interest you know, and so these artists, they're not getting paid anyway. Yeah. 
they're not getting paid anyway. Yeah. I can only speak about this in terms of the utility for the user and the value to the user. Okay. Right. Ultimately. And, you know, thusly also artists to be a little bit more serious and understand they're not entitled to this royalty pool under the pro rata right. model. They're not entitled to it, you know? And so they're just Which like- we discussed last time in depth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it's like people who are far, far, far less serious, mm. they're going to find another way to get their music out there to people. Right. Right. Rather than, you know, using these distros. I mean- Possibly. Or the distros are just going to discourage less serious people from signing up, you know? There's no, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Right. I feel like this is one of the harder pills to swallow is yeah. that, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a hard conversation to have. It's a hard thing to say, mm -hmm. but there's a problem. Right. There's a problem that we have far too much content and mm -hmm. most of the people who are trying to do this, like they're not serious enough to stick around. Right. Let's be for real. Like we need more people who are more serious pursuing music careers. Like this just isn't working. Right. I sound like such an asshole, but like <laughs> you, you know, if you want the people to stop villainizing you and coming at you with pitchforks, I'm not sure that <laughs> I, I know, but you're convincing me though, that all these detractors of this model, which again, on its face sounds really shitty. It does sound really shitty, but I, I do, I, you're really convincing me that it's a short sighted critique. I think it is very short sighted, you know, cause the thing about it is I, <sighs> I understand that making these changes on its face because it is it does affect the the distros. Right. You know, it affect it affects them like negatively, but ultimately like they they need to change. They need to change because they're contributing to the dilution problem. Right. Like they are the dilution problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I didn't I didn't really think about well, I didn't think about much about any of this stuff until we started this conversation, <laughs> to be honest. I just didn't know. But you know, you do think yeah. of Spotify as the big bad wolf. Mm -hmm. And as you said, the indie distributor, the indie label as the good side. And, and you know, this is another thing that I do want to say is that Spotify is like, I'm not saying that they're innocent. Yeah. They are by no means like innocent or perfect. Like they are doing very stupid things yeah. too. Sure, sure. We're you just know? talking about what people need to do, various groups, various stakeholders, um, <laughs> God, <laughs> given the changes that Spotify has made. Yeah. And I think everyone is probably most interested in discussing what they, the listener, the teacup can do given all of these changes. But, mm -hmm. first, but first, let's talk about what you just said, Spotify's bullshit. And let's envision, <laughs> let's envision the alternatives because you were telling me about some missteps that you think Spotify is missing a trick with all these changes mm -hmm. and before we get into like what the teacups can do mm -hmm. <laughs> I just want you to complain a little bit more about okay. Spotify specifically but I, because I think it's not the complaining that most people are doing about Spotify. yeah no it's not it's not the complaining that most people are doing and you know Spotify is like certainly culpable to some degree right all of this is not to say like we shouldn't blame them for things because like they're also 
I mean, just, they are shitty, like in a lot they of are ways. They are shitty. They are shitty in a lot of ways. And allow me to. Please. So. Please. I, I think that it's like pretty obvious that like one of the, you know, much larger influences on like the overall landscape of like streaming and like royalty distribution, like does come down to Spotify's business practices. But what I'm hoping to kind of achieve here is to sort of look at it in a more macro view uh-huh. and like just see how the strategy is playing out. Right because Mm -hmm. Spotify could be generating enough revenue on its own to pay reasonable royalties to like everybody (laughs) regardless of like what model we're using Uh or like the artist popularity and stuff you know because for example apple music pays a higher royalty rate but they have like a smaller user pool but like you can see why in this current streaming economy um, or ecosystem that they would opt to like retain the pro rata model more as a means to put some guardrails around the distributors right Mm. spotify has a fucking massive they have like the market biggest share. market share of every yeah they platform. have a, they have a massive quantity of users right they right. have a huge market share yes but less than half of those are paid subscribers so like so they could charge everybody but less than what apple charges yeah it's like what i was saying about apple music you know if spotify like chose to ditch advertising revenue which oh, like to like make up for just the like free pays them actually far less than like the user monthly subscription right um you know and just like did did more work to convert their free users to a paid service like right, right, right. that would certainly make them solvent enough that they would be able to pay artists more but like they don't have any apparent strategy in place to convert these free users to paid users okay but okay but haven't they been operating at a loss since day one this you know and i have been wondering this is the other thing that i've been wondering and you know this is one of those like some conspiracy theorist on tiktok can like take this and fucking run with it please yeah but the thing that keeps like just gnawing at my brain is like the shareholders for all of this time have apparently not been asking where are these conversions right 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 why i don't get it like it's all it doesn't make any fucking sense imaginary like, I don't I don't get it's all it imaginary. at all. One reason I suspect that they won't do it is because of like this dilution problem that is like caused by these like independent distributors. Yeah. They would have to pay the distros more for music that doesn't reach as much listeners and like royalties that still like wouldn't reach those artists. Yeah. Even if it didn't switch explicitly switch to the user model, like if it I don't know, I think you're right. It just seems it seems easy. It obviously isn't. But here's the other thing, dude. (laughs) Tell me more. I'm not trying to say that they're without blame or anything, but yeah. what I'm trying to say is that like it it does make sense to me in a strategic way that they would want to hold their position yeah, yeah, right yeah. now, at least until like the larger dilution problem that the distros are causing is like way more under control. And so that's one reason why I would see why they wouldn't want to consider switching to a user-centric model yet is because like that value would only go to the distros it actually would not go to the artists themselves right 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 i see what you're saying (sighs) and another like far shittier reason that i think they aren't doing this is because like a conversion campaign would like put their market position at risk which is like like 
you know, I, I think that this piece is like ultimately like the least important. Yeah. But like they would lose a lot of leverage um, I guess, if they I, were to like do anything that would affect their like market share. And I guess it's safer to deal with the churn that happens from raising the subscription fees for the already paying people because they're less likely to leave and more likely to be like, oh, I guess it's just raising the prices again. And where am I really going to go? Because all the other streaming platforms are worse. Yeah. I mean, some people are jumping ship, but it's not. I yeah. Guess some people, some enough. people are jumping ship, but it's clear that they don't want to like lose that volume and negotiating power. Right. You know, and that's like, I'm not here to say whether or not these things are like good or bad. You know, it's like, don't shoot the messenger. It's none of my business, <laughs> but like they don't presently like offer enough value to convert people, yeah. you know? And this is like one thing that it is throwing the streaming economy out of balance. But mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't believe that them having this large of a market share is fair if they're like not using their leverage to create a better experience for everybody mm -hmm. and to create like fairer or better terms for everybody. You know, not. so that's something that I would like to see them do. Yep. And maybe down the line, you know, I don't trust big businesses. I don't trust businessmen, <laughs> you know, oh. I and so this is what I will say is that as things start to like actually rebalance themselves and like get to a better stasis point where it would be possible to actually like deliver on some of these things that people are saying they want. Yes. It is something that like could, it could happen. And at that point it would be actually like very logical and rational to ask Spotify to like make those changes right, right now. Right. I don't think that, I don't think that there are like enough auxiliary things in place for it to make sense to make those demands on them because yeah. really it's yeah. just like another problem escaping one enemy and like running to the next one. Right. You right. know what I mean? Right. It still isn't going to benefit artists regardless of like what they believe <laughs> is, is going to help them, yeah. you know, and that, that is also the reason why I'm saying like as an artist, it's like you do really need to kind of divest emotionally and psychologically from this idea of like making money that way because in this current model like you're not going to make money yeah and if you want to make money then you need to do the work to make money <laughs> in a way that like actually is going to work for you yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know no one's going to listen to me because I'm a girl among other oh, things like no one's going to take me seriously but I'm going to say it anyway like it's the kind of thing where it's like it's so stupid only a man would justify this where it's like everybody wants to pay each other less right everybody wants to look bigger than they are yeah everybody wants a bigger piece of what is being generated by the other guy yeah you know instead of just saying like this is a fucking ecosystem we have to work together how do we get all of these pieces to actually work together instead of creating no it has to be a fight like why why does it have to be a fight it actually because doesn't it has to be a fight <laughs> you know but it and like it kind of goes back to this idea but, of i mean but when the end game is only to make as much money as possible yeah but it's like the concept of making as much money as possible understand what you're actually doing and what you're actually doing is not just trying to make as much money as possible you're trying to offer something to the person who is paying for the thing right and you need to just offer them the thing that they're paying for and maybe give them like a little bit more value. Y you would think you know, so. It's not my job to help them. <laughs> right. I don't have to offer any suggestions. I merely just want to say that the way that things have been going are are stupid and they were bound to fail. That's the reason that in my mind, I'm just like all of this stuff is eventually just going to like collapse. It's just going to like implode. Yeah, it has to. 
because like I was saying, like these these indie distributors, they they're like throwing all these very unserious artists into the royalty pool and just letting them like like cannibalize each other. Well, that's you teaching me that that that's a thing has really convinced me that if Spotify is cracking down on that exact phenomenon, then the indie distributors have to do the same thing. They have to do the same and thing. And the indie artists who are rallying against these changes are going to hate it. Like they're gonna it's just gonna it. they're gonna hate it so much until and unless this plays out for a while and it becomes hopefully apparent that this is actually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, I think that barring Spotify's discordant business practices <laughs> in the larger picture, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I hope so. Because what they're being greedy with is they're being very greedy with the volume. Right. Which is not, that is like, that's not fair. Right. I mean, <laughs> and then we get, uh, I don't really want to get too much on this tangent just for the sake of time. But like, of course, then we get into the, well, you know, shouldn't there be free access to music for people, right? Like there are other platforms and there are ways to access music, but like that is also shitty. Like there are constant like downstream impacts of every one of these things that we're saying and it's never... uh I don't know. But like free music access at this large scale is also a recent development. Yeah, that was what I was going to say is that's a very recent development. I mean, I think the access is is very important. Right. And I have I have a lot of reasons for feeling strongly about that. However, you know, that is like you're saying, that's a very recent development. And there's no other time in history like before this that that was even possible. It just wasn't possible. Like you had to put in a little bit right. to get a little something. Yeah. So it's not crazy. It is. We do it's not generally crazy. want artists to get something. And that that's the whole point. You know, access does matter. Like to put it in perspective, we'll just say 20 yeah. years ago, 25 years ago, like before Napster, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. back in those days, you think about all of your friends who had like giant, massive CD books. <laughs> right. And they were paying they're paying 10 bucks to 15 bucks to 17 bucks or whatever yep. for a CD every time. Every time. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of fucking Especially money. back then. Think about how much 15 bucks then is now. Yeah. Totally. At least $25, $30. It's, it's a ton yeah. it's a ton of money, you know. And so in in that regard, just to be like frustratingly logical, it's not a lot to ask for someone to pay $10 for access to all of the music in the fucking world. <laughs> It's just not. Yeah. yeah. I, I fully agree with that. You know, and in, in that in that regard, it's like that's a huge amount of value. Yeah. So Sally, we're spoiled and we gotta work harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. That is what uh, I'm saying. But just yeah. please believe me when I say that I don't mean this in like a capitalist way. These are the tools that we have and these are the resources that we're pushing around and we need to look out for each other. And it's like, how can we do that? Live in an ecosystem and also be grateful yeah. for what we do have and not also not in like a putting each other down way, but like in a like the things we have access to are actually kind of beautiful yeah. sort of way. Exactly. Spotify as a platform is such a beautiful music discovery tool. It is. And yeah. in theory, if they achieve what they say they're setting out to do to stop the dilution of quality music, it will only improve that experience for the end user. Yeah, that's what I so think too. So 
what can the teacup do? The teacup, mm-hmm. the listener who wants to get more money into the hands of artists and wants to dump Spotify yeah. or realistically won't dump Spotify, but still isn't like super thrilled with what's happening. Like what is there to do? What um, is there to do? <sighs> Ecosystem. Yeah. These things all work together. They do. They do. You know, I'm just going to like say some things to kind of like put it in perspective because I don't actually have an answer for this, but I do have some things that, you know, can at least maybe give people an idea of like what they might want to do. People have this idea that like because of the way that people fucking analyze data now, (laughs) people are literally just like, if I don't see like eight zeros, I don't know what to do, you know? Eight zeros after the number. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Not before. But, you know, it's just like people just have like completely lost the plot here. And so this is the other thing to keep in mind if you're like a very small artist. If you're trying to just like get anything, Mm -hmm. we're not saying millionaire, but if you're trying to get anything, the actual like volume doesn't matter nearly as much as you think it does. Yeah. Like literally, like you guys fucking listen to me. (laughs) I'm going to put you on right now. (laughs) <laughs> write an ebook and okay. after this episode i'm gonna give you the give you the discount the code. discount code and yeah. <laughs> no but seriously like just please keep this in perspective you can play at a coffee shop for tips and make more money than yeah, you're dude. gonna be making in streams on spotify just playing for tips and if you're registered with a pro you can put your set list from the coffee shop oh, and you yeah. you can actually get paid way more royalties yeah from that live performance plus tips than you were ever gonna make on spotify yeah also you'll get further and then like i mean you're you're very much focusing like on the artist yeah i'm focusing on what the listener the, the unta- untalented consumer <laughs> no okay so music. yeah so it's like we were talking about a couple episodes ago we we're talking about like you know new music discovery and stuff like it would be ideal obviously if the experience could be like a lot more passive for the listener right, and so in that right. regard like i don't always like to put a lot of pressure on the listener's responsibility because i don't always really feel like it is the listener's responsibility right. i think that it is the artist and their team mm-hmm. however you want to configure that i do think that it is their responsibility first mm-hmm. and foremost to make sure that the listeners are taken care of yeah if the audience feels really strongly about supporting an artist like they will do it out of like the love for what is being offered to them. They like won't that. just do it out of like sympathy. <laughs> you know, they won't do it because they feel bad for the person because they're getting fucked over in this like very in concrete way that like mm-hmm. nobody seems to understand. You know, like it really is about like listener value. It right. should be a natural extension of like having something that you love in your life. Like the underlying mutual benefit is that the artist is supported. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if somebody likes something, if they like an artist, they're going to pay to see them. If they like an artist, they're going to buy the record. They're going to buy a t-shirt if they like the artist. (laughs) You know, they're going to watch their videos if they like it. It's... It's weird because like I feel more strongly about the audience experience and the listener experience than I do about like focusing all of this energy on making sure that an artist who's not making sure that their audience knows how much they're appreciated is then like remunerated in some way. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. It's psychotic to be telling the world that you deserve their resources. If you're not willing to yeah. hold up your yeah. end of the deal and everything is just about you, right. I am sorry to say that I don't really think that like artists like that should be supported. Yeah. Yeah. You Realistically. Know? 
Well, and also people just want all their stuff in one place. And if you're making Spotify playlists and mm-hmm. you're following curators on Spotify yeah. or whatever it is you're doing, like I don't really use Bandcamp for that reason. Yeah. But what I was going to say is like use these services the way they were intended, right? Spotify is discovery playlists, mm. you know, um, finding out like it's very good for alerting you when new stuff comes out. Mm. But the way I think it makes sense to use these things like use them together. Yeah. Spotify is where you discover stuff. Once you already like it, you know, you've shelved it onto your playlist, however you use it um, and to listen to it, to actively listen to stuff mm-hmm. there. But Bandcamp is a retail platform, right? Like yeah. go support the artist by purchasing their physical yeah. media there, right. um, which understandably you may only save for the stuff you truly truly love like totally totally that's not going to be for literally every artist so there's a limit here yeah but right the other thing is i mean your money can support stuff just outside of spotify Mm -hmm. Bandcamp for physical media go to shows buy merch you know there are other ways and i don't think abandoning spotify although you can right there are Mm -hmm. other platforms streaming platforms that i think pay more in royalties like i think yeah. title is better yeah t- a title i i believe also pays more um like just to answer the question as it was asked <laughs> i think the biggest thing that that listeners can do and the most helpful thing that they can do is share the things that they like with people yeah you know i think that that is literally the only responsibility that that listeners actually have in this like in this ecosystem that we're talking about the audience and the listener the best thing and the most helpful thing that they can do is they can tell people right they can share this music with people that they care about who trust their tastes Mm -hmm. or who they like just you know what i'm saying yeah and share content share content right that's all they have to do honestly i don't think it is the listener's responsibility to do anything more than that because they've they've already given so much and that's the thing that i feel like people don't realize and they don't understand and they don't respect is that the listener isn't to blame and they've done their part You know, if they showed up at all, then they've done their part. Right. But, you know, if you see something that's amazing and you're inclined to take a video, yeah, share it. Share it. If you hear a song that you think is incredible, share it. Talk about it. If you make content online like we do, like share it with people. That's all. That's all. I mean, yeah. No. Okay. So, yeah. (laughs) So So here's the other thing. This is and this is like a very super like early adopter, like inside baseball shit. Sure. That like, let me be the first. (laughs) (laughs) Sally is also selling ketones. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need to change my life? Yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you. Raspberry (laughs) ketones changed my life. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So this is just something to look into. I'm not saying that like this is not an answer yet, but this is something to just like keep in your mind is that there are certain there are certain people who are trying to like what's the word, pivot this like streaming economy into a web three space, right? Mm -hmm. And so essentially it's like, and this is going to sound really douchey, okay? But (laughs) like there are music DAOs that are like being run by like cool people who just want to make sure that artists are getting paid what they should be getting paid. That Also that the listener and the person who's like buying the music, like Mm -hmm. it has a different position than just 
being a Spotify subscriber and like streaming stuff that they have they have a different position in like how they're interacting with the music and like there's like certain it's like a completely different type of situation like the artists are able to like own their rights and like put the Mm -hmm. music on like all the different traditional streaming platforms but like if you're curious about what else is out there and you're willing to pay money for downloads and like engage with music in that way you're willing to you know look into the DAO space there's one that is really awesome called Nina Protocol okay and if you're not a super technical person which I'm honestly not (laughs) I'm trying to like (laughs) learn about this stuff but if you're not a super technical person it's probably not going to make sense to you yet but it's just something to keep in mind. And if you're curious, you should look into the Nina protocol. Um, that sounds so cool. Because there's just <laughs> there are just certain things that are starting to shift. Like this whole thing is like starting to shift into Web3 possibly. It's like this is years down the line to where it's going to be like completely user friendly and like everybody's right, going right, to get right. it. But, you know, that's that's something that like is happening and that Damn. is going to really shift the way that it's going to shift some of these conversations quite a bit. I think. I didn't realize you were in the trend forecasting business. I'm very excited about this. Trend forecasters Damn. are out for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're just confusing everybody. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, something to just keep your eye on. It's not, you know, if it's if it's a little bit too dense right now, which it's in that phase where it's like very dense. Still, you know, yeah. like you don't have to engage with it, but it's just something to keep your eye on and maybe, you know, because like there's a lot of online stuff that's like kind of transitioning to Web3 because it just makes more, yeah, it makes yeah, more yeah. sense for the users to have a certain amount of like stake and ownership and like what they're consuming. Right. I you know, agree. and it doesn't, and it doesn't, actually, it's no, it's to no detriment to the artist. Which is the most important Which thing, is the most probably, important thing, like, yeah. in this ecosystem. And also I'm mm-hmm. just excited that like this stuff grows and develops and we should not be scared Mm-mm. of things shifting away from what's traditional. Yeah. I mean, and what's traditional is like always constantly change. I mean, in the music industry, it's like convenience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we've been, we have been trained and conditioned to engage with whatever is the more convenient thing. Right. And that thing tends to, you know, that will be the thing that like dominates the yep. thing that came before. I, you know, for for better or worse, there is a shift to more kind of like analog music. Oh yeah, for enjoyment sure. Too. For sure. You know, like the younger kids, they they love their CDs, yeah. man. It's kind of great. They love CDs, and you know, some of us in our age group <laughs> are like really into vinyl yeah. and cassettes and. You know, it's not sustainable to produce like physical artifacts anymore. And I think that like we're all aware of that. But, you know, these things, they do still exist. And I think that people will start to turn to them for um, music enjoyment and like just the enhancing of the enjoyment. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like a lot of Gen Z kids, they're just starting to understand what the experience is of owning physical media. Which is very interesting and like I think is really contributing to that resurgence. But that's also that's like another discussion. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but I I think it's cool. And I think that that is going to change their consciousness about it's going to change their relationship away from like short form, instant access, fast food type of understanding of I hope I hope so. Like a more deeper, more deeper, a deeper appreciation. Yeah, (laughs) I hope that's true. I hope that that plays out. Yeah. What do you expect? Cool. I feel like every time we're like, okay, so what can you do? And then the answer is always like so complicated. 
But that's, it just is complicated. It is complicated. Like, the stuff is, these and things I do not have easy answers. No. And I didn't say that I had an answer. I just could say, you <laughs> I know, just these asked. Are, these are, <laughs> these are just potential. These are potential things that you can look into or you can think about. Yeah. Teacups, tell us what you think. You exactly. Tell us, I want to know how they feel like they're supporting. Or generally like, what, what you think about the changes. Like, mm-hmm. I want to hear what other people are thinking about these changes, yeah, whether you knew about them, how you're reacting to them, because I don't think that what we presented here is in the common discourse. Yeah, it's not. It's straight yeah. from my noggin. Yeah. <laughs> Sally's noggin. <laughs> Teacup demagogue, Sally's noggin edition. It's always Sally's noggin edition, I guess. <laughs> and that's why we love it here. No, you got a good noggin on your Well, shoulders. my noggin got a break today, <laughs> which I'm very happy about. This was great. I learned a lot, Sally. Thank you. Mm, my pleasure. And next week, we'll do something a little bit mindless, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep, we definitely Awesome. Will. Well, Teacups, I hope you enjoyed this two-part foray. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to get serious. We really did. Yeah. <laughs> I think we I think we did a good job of getting serious. It was probably I don't know. This was like our non-funny two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> this was letting we letting got, the nerd out. We we got nerdy and we we try to be real podcasters, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I hope we didn't confuse you guys too much. Yeah, don't get used to it. It's not going to be like this. I now that I've gotten this off my chest, I don't have anything else serious to say. Yeah. <laughs> we have literally nothing else serious to say. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Wait, is that the end? That's the end, Sally. It's time to say goodbye. Oh, but Gabby, I'm bad at goodbyes. That's not true. Besides, we'll be back. When? I don't know. Eventually. Like, in two weeks. What if the teacups need to talk to us? Then they can write to us at teacupdemagogues at gmail.com. Or we could give them your phone number. Nope. 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 Six. 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 Four. Twenty. Sixty. Nine. You got, 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 you